The Florida Horse Podcast is presented by the Florida Thoroughbred Breeders and Owners Association. Welcome to the Florida Horse Podcast. I'm Tammy Gant and I'm joined today by Nick Demerick. I'm very excited to have him here today. Um, he's a legend in our industry here in the Florida thoroughbred industry and one of the top consigners for sales horses across our nation. And so let's get started. Hi, Nick. How are you? Very well, Tammy. Nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. And and you wear a number of hats. Uh, in addition to the businesses that you have, you also are on the board of the Florida Thoroughbred Breeders and Owners and also on the board of Horse Farms Forever. Yep, that, that is correct. And also um, the board of OBS as well. Yeah, um, thank so you. So yeah, we uh, wear several different hats. And um, um, I always feel that uh, it's a small enough thing to ask to give a little time back to the industry that's been so good to me and, and which I love passionately. Yeah, yeah, and I think you also give to the farm ministry. You help you and your wife behind the scenes put on a, a lot of programming that helps with the farm ministry programs too. <laughs> Uh, that's Jackie's baby, and she has done a magnificent job with that. In fact, um, the premises from which they now operate is uh, was her brainchild and, and a, a result of fundraising that she and Stephanie Brennan did together. And, uh, yeah, so she's done a great job with that. Yeah. Hey, great way to start off the show by giving a little uh, praise to your wonderful wife, Jackie. So that's, that's yeah. awesome. So uh, talk a little bit about, I know, so I'm going to go back to, there was a Chamber and Economic Partnership um, event that you spoke at. And after that, we had a number of people come into our office and get calls just saying how wonderful that presentation you did was. And I think a lot of it was because your passion came through about your passion for the protection of land, um, your passion for the industry, and just your your true love for horses. You want to talk a little bit about that? I would say that uh, taking those questions one at a time, um, m my love for horses has is something I've never really uh, stopped to analyze or question, but it's something from as long as I can remember. I've always had a, 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 an, a, an affinity for, uh, a passion for, uh, an obsession with. Uh, Ever since you were very little, since like you I was had very access little. to horses? At that, that is correct. And in fact, um, my mom and dad were terrific in that they supported that love, although it didn't directly come from them. Uh, so I grew up showing ponies as a kid and uh, sort of graduated to to eventing and a little uh, point pointing steeplechasing and then um, ultimately into the racing, uh, the flat racing side of things and uh, uh, lived and worked in Australia for three years, worked for Australia's uh, uh, perennially leading trainer, Tommy Smith, mm. at, at that time and um, worked for a number of trainers in England and um, also worked in Ireland and uh, several other countries. So that is something that has been a recurring theme throughout my life, although I've done a few other things at odd moments, including some journalism, picking apples, restoring houses, working in the mines, one or two other little odds and ends. But I did all... notice that in your <laughs> on your website. So if anyone wants to go read about that, it is very diverse um, other things related to kind of the intertwine with the horse industry for sure. Absolutely. absolutely. And, and the land, uh, in answer to your second question, um, of course goes hand in hand with the horse business. But um, I think we are so blessed in that we not only work in an industry which we are passionate about and which we love, but also in an environment that is uh, 
conducive to uh, one's mental and internal well-being. In a typical morning when I'm training in the winter, uh, I'll, I'll be sitting on my pony and I'll be watching my horses train on the track and I'll see a, a, a red street sunrise over to the east and a skein of geese flying across that. And I'm, I think to myself, this is my office. This is my place of work. I mean, how blessed am I? And and I think that many of us in this industry feel that way, that we work in a, in a wonderful physical environment. And I feel that anything I we can do to protect that, it is incumbent on us to, to do that. And uh, so with a, a rapidly growing city like Ocala, I think we have to be careful to manage growth intelligently and uh, with the future generations in mind. Yeah, that scenic vista that, that, like you said, we take for granted if we have a farm that mm. we're out in and we enjoy, that scenic vista is really powerful for other residents, our community and our citizens, because some of the reasons they move here is to see those horses grazing in a pasture or to drive by OBS and see horses training on the track. And that's just as meaningful to them as it is being in our own home office, if you will. I, I think so. I think the aesthetics of this beautiful part of the country uh, one of the big magnets that draw people here, obviously the equine e infrastructure that goes along with that, the equine clinics, the, the feed companies, the blacksmiths, the, uh, the, the veterinary expertise, all, all of the, all of the uh, satellite industries that go along with this business. And they all kind of uh, sort of make it uh, appealing to any, any aspect of the, of, uh, the equine industry, uh, particularly thoroughbreds, but also, as we all know, sport horses are becoming a bigger and bigger presence in, in Marion County. And and we've always had Arabians, we've always had uh, quarter horses, and uh, and certainly some standardbreds too. So so I think that um, you know not just the aesthetics, but also the infrastructure behind uh, the the, um, the the horse industry also are a big magnet for people moving here. For sure. I think, you know, you can add that Paso Finos to the list because I said Central Florida is now Paso Finos and it's so many diversity of breeds and it really does truly make us horse capital because those top practitioners, mm -hmm. like you said, the the resources of, of the, the feed mill um, and then you've also got just the the water, the the you know the mineral rich water. In addition to so you've got the aquifers, spring fed aquifers, and that limestone ridge that runs here that really produces a, that was a really a great soil for the grasses. So there's a lot of lot of natural things here for sure. We have, as you say, that that fantastic number eight soil and this pristine aquifer, uh, which kind of uh, waters the pastures, um, and we have wonderful. Uh, wildlife I in this part of the state as well, including uh, beautiful spring, clear springs, uh, wetlands, uh, lovely coastlines, uh, all of which uh, combine with the aesthetics of the pasture and farmland around us to make this a very appealing and, I should say, r recently discovered on a much bigger scale part of the country. Yeah. And, you know, the, when people come to Central Florida, maybe mm. they came for World Equestrian Center or maybe mm. they came for Ocala Breeder Sales, the worldwide leaders mm. in two-year-old sales. But they come here and what they fall in love with is the friendliness of the people, the top-notch horsemen, 
but also this the, the this beautiful springs and forests that all surrounds us in this natural setting. And so that preservation becomes so very important because we all, we, we have the national forest to one side, we've got our spring fed areas to one side, and we've got our horse farms and agriculture, which is not just the equines here. So there is that finite thing of the farmland preservation area is super important at that point because there's no more land to give. Well, that exactly right. So we have urban growth, designated urban growth areas. Um, and I think that, you know, additional housing and additional business uh, c construction should be kind of encouraged to stay within those urban both urban growth uh, areas. It feels like it is. So you notice I've, today when we're driving around, you see, like even today, I noticed, oh, wow, on this road, there was mm. a field that wasn't in use at all. And mm. it wasn't an agriculture field, but now it is um, a family apartment complex. And I said, mm. well, that's inside the urban growth boundary. That's what we really want to see. Absolutely. That is exactly what we want to see. And that's what, exactly what I mean by sort of intelligent growth and, and careful planning. Um, the flip side of that is that, you know, we have over the last two decades or so lost a lot of farmland to growth and development. Uh, not to say that that's all wrong, but I just think that we can maybe do a better job of managing that. And I think that now there is a heightened awareness, uh, partly through the activities of Horse Farms Forever, uh, of this very important fact. And we have, that is to say, Horse Farms Forever has... Uh, taken on several different uh, entities w w with which had uh, the intention of um, of building in within the farm preservation area and we have actually beaten them in in court and uh, with the commissioners and and shelved those projects so so I think that there is much more awareness than there has been hitherto on that very sensitive subject. Yeah, because those nibbles become bites and the bites become large parts of land that are taken away. And I know FT Boy has a strong belief in this and they are members of Horse Farms Forever in addition to the task force that you're also on that's chaired by our current president, George Isaacs, which is always monitoring and looking at what's going on and so we can be aware of it, but also if we need to activate as far as having those conversations and, and trying to make progress as far as why why the land is important, not just for for us as thoroughbred owners, but equine industry and our agriculture as a whole. It, it's a delicate balancing act to get it right, because uh, obviously uh, th th there are a lot of uh, things that go with an, an increase in population. You need the infrastructure, you need the roads, you need the schools, the hospitals, all the things that go along with uh, a, a growing population. But you also need to preserve the reasons that made it a growing population in the first place and also for our signature industry, um, the, the horse industry. So let's talk a little bit about your family. Family, You're now a next generation of family members involved in this industry. And I came from a family of missionaries, so I'm the first generation. So I dream of how the second and third generation looks like in our industry, you know, and I see the families and farms that have done it. So tell, tell me a little bit about, about your, your, your kids and where they are today. I guess they're young adults or really adults. Yeah, the, 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 I know it's, it's hard to think of them as adults, but they certainly are the both uh, Ali and Tris are in their kind of mid-30s. Ali actually in her sort of later 30s. She has three delightful children, all of whom are, are passionate horse kids. Uh, they ride often before they go to school. They uh, do uh, all manner of equine-related uh, 
equine related activities. Um, and Ali, and who is married to Brandon Rice of, of the Rice clan. Um, Another a, legacy family in the industry. Very successful and well-respected family in the industry. And um, they together have founded their own business and uh, are doing very well pinhooking, br breaking, training young horses and preparing them for the racetrack. Of course, Brandon's aunt is Linda Rice, who is a, a, a legend in her own right in New York, uh, one of the most successful female trainers of all time in this country. And and so there is a legacy uh, that, that goes along with that side of the family, and we've tried to bestow that on, on our kids too. My son, Tris, who is married to a French-Canadian lady by the name of Valerie, um, has also done very well in the business in his own right and has uh, gleaned a, a clientele of his own quite independently of what I've been able to sort of put in front of him. And um, I, Jackie and I, I should say, are transitioning our first of all our sales agency and secondly our, our our broader business in favor of Tris and Valerie who are geographically uh, they run their own business independently of us but but parallel to our business that we share for my, uh, our racetrack we use the same racetrack their their farm and uh stables are adjacent to ours and valerie's a horsewoman too also she right is, so she came from that 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 show world i believe she did and and she was an assistant to eddie woods okay. uh, our, our good friend uh, eddie woods and um that in fact is where uh, tris and valerie met at, at a horse sale much as jackie, much as you and your wife much met. as jackie and i did <laughs> you know the, the horse business um, brings people together but yes so valerie's a very competent horsewoman in her own right and they have made a very effective team valerie is everything that tris isn't and vice versa i think it would be fair to say and uh, they make a formidable combination so i have to say a little brag mm. about ali uh, um I think she, Alexandra. Alexandra, yeah. Yeah, I think she goes by Allie Short. So Allie, this is yeah. what I saw. This is when I knew, I said, the next generation is here. It's like you just see the moment. And she had the little one in toting on the, on the, on the hip here, yeah. came into an ag extension thing that was called Annie's Project that helps folks that are underserved in our community um, get involved in agriculture. And here she's got one in tow and talking about a business. And so when the women in that group were looking at it, they're thinking, how am I as a single woman or I've got kids, I've got all these things going on. How mm. can I make it happen? And Allie walks in with the brightest of confidence with her on the hip, doing other things while waiting for her session and talks about what that looks like. And I think mm. that it shows that, you know, with some hard work, dedication, some incredible horsemanship skills that people can become, get involved in agriculture. So she's giving back, but to see that with the youth, because I think, like you said, they ride ponies in the morning, they ride horses. You're always on a horse. I think that that carries through to other people and they really see you're not only, you know, bringing horses through different programs to sell um, and have a breeding program, you're mm -hmm. also living that life. And so I, I just got a kick out of her that night. I said, oh my goodness. And all the women are like, look at that, you know? Yeah, I think we're, we're, we all do it because we love it. I, and one thing I've always said to my kids, I mean, this business can be tough, we all know that. And I said many times to them as they were growing up, if, if you're not passionate about this business, you're better off doing something different. But both of them are very passionate about it. And as you say, uh, Ali doesn't let a little thing like an infant slow her down. No, not at all. Um, she'll plonk that 
baby in front of her on the pony and go train and she'll they have two others in tow on ponies and they're they're, they're they live the life and and, I and it's a say, grand life that's a grand it's life. a grand life they, they they are wonderful parents those two and they they those kids have a, a, a an idyllic childhood and i and i should give a shout out to to uh tristan valerie's uh eldest uh L elizabeth who is um to say she's passionate about showing would be an understatement. She is absolutely, well, I shouldn't use the word obsessed, but she is a little bit obsessed with uh, showing. She's currently in Vermont showing. She's been in New York this summer, and she's been showing at WEC. She now has a string of half a dozen ponies that she's riding and uh, and is absolutely up to her eyeballs in, in the show horse world, uh, which, of course, you know, comes along with all kinds of expenses of its own. Nathaniel, her younger brother, is more of a baseball dirt bike sort yeah. of a kind of kid, but uh, he's been uh, dragged to sales since he was old enough to walk and uh, and is, is very good-natured about it, and as he is at uh, Lizzie's Horse Shows, but... Uh, but uh, he's 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 a ball guy. He's a great. He's going to be a great tennis player. He loves baseball and uh, all around good kid. So well, we're, we're very know, blessed with our grandkids. <laughs> sometimes that yeah, you're very blessed in all ways. Yeah. And I think that you know sometimes the sister and brother have to sacrifice for each other's independent hobbies, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I do feel like there was a dynasty that was created when the two families married for sure. That all the different ones and. Um, but I do feel like it, it, when I look at you guys, I see a blessed lifestyle where you're doing what you love, what you always wanted to do. You've had opportunities to travel the world and learn from some of the best mentors that, that exist in the, in the horse world at the times that you were in those locations. And so of all those things, I know you're most proud of your family, but as far as a success in the industry, what would be your proudest moment? Mm, uh, proudest moment. Or one moment when you feel like I've arrived. I feel if that <laughs> okay. ever happens for any of us. Okay, I, I, I'm going to answer that in, in a in a fairly low key way. I'm going to say that uh, Jackie and I, the first horse we bought, we bought from Sam and Carolyn Rogers. It was a, a nearly on time filly out of a mare called Arctic Holiday. We paid fifteen thousand dollars for this filly, which was more than all the money we had at the time. I, in fact, uh, my mom and dad kicked in a little bit and my uncle kicked in a little bit and we kicked in a little bit and we sold that filly for twice what we gave for her and we thought we'd won the lottery um, we bought a car and we got married that same year in Louisville Kentucky uh, which is um, the, well Jackie's family are from Kentucky and uh, and I would say that although there have been some fantastic moments between now and then that was the moment at which I think we decided that we could make a business of this and that we were, we were determined to try and carve our own niche in the industry. Well, that is the dream, and you're living yeah. the dream today. And you look now with the kids and grandkids, it's been great success, and they're mm. all up on horses when they can be, and that's all you can ask for. Well, thank mm. you for coming in today. I'm sure we could talk a bit more about your role and OBS and FTBA, but hopefully another time we'll get you in for that. But thank you so much, Nick entirely my pleasure thanks for inviting me and uh, uh, hello and to all your viewers and uh, like I said we're, we're a very blessed uh, community in this lovely part of Florida the Florida horse podcast is presented by the Florida thoroughbred breeders and owners association
American Horse Council encourages Florida horse owners and businesses to take the Economic Impact Survey. Showcasing the economic impact from this survey helps inform local and state political leaders, encourages investment in land and equine businesses and job impact. Take the survey today. Visit horsecouncil.org. This public service announcement is brought to you by Horse Capital TV and the Florida Thoroughbred Breeders and Owners Association.